directly with the coach man. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with, uh, well, my friend Hooli. <laughs> Hello. And I've yeah. been on this podcast more than my own for the, last, <laughs> for the last 12 months. But anyway. <laughs> well, but uh, Steve couldn't make it this week, so figured I'd have a guest on. We'll talk about an interesting topic here in a minute. But before we get to that, I want to shout out the podcast for the week. And the podcast for the week is primed by Cortex which is uh, the Cortex Prime unofficial podcast. Um, mm. Really fantastic show. Learned a lot about Cortex Prime. Um, just great work over there by uh, by JT and the guys. It's it just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So check out Prime by Cortex. JT's awesome, can I just say. As a, oh, he is. As a person as well as a podcaster. He's great. He, he really is. I, I, I need to, I keep, um, I keep trying to, I need to get him in on a game that I'm running <laughs> here soon. Cause every time it seems like I go to run something with him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. And then just nothing, <laughs> <laughs> something happens on my end. Something happens on his end. So we got to get, I got to get him either back on the podcast and apologize. Or <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what happened one time that uh, I was listening into a live play that they were doing, which JT was running, and a few friends that I know from the states uh, were playing. And I said, "Look, oh, do you mind if I just listen? I'll uh, mute my microphone." Unfortunately, this is in the days before I actually knew what I was doing, and then I, <laughs> I started um, giving my son instructions on how to. Um, uh, do the dishwashing <laughs> properly. <laughs> and of course, I wasn't muted. <laughs> and the next thing I hear is, oh, Ethan's in trouble. <laughs> I've gone, could you hear that? Sorry, it was very embarrassing, but funny nonetheless. Ask you about that story. Yes, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the things well, I do. I, all I'll say is, is, Thank goodness for Steve and editing, because there's been a couple times where a significant other will walk in and she'll be like talking to me. I'll just be talking right back to her and I'll just hear my microphone click off on the discord. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> as long as it's appropriate conduct. Yeah, um, usually it's or... it's nothing too. <laughs> she knows not to say anything too embarrassing around microphones. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's Product all good. Working with with phones all day long. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, I feel your pain there. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> well, speaking of feeling pain, um, yes. or not, actually, mm -hmm. our topic for today was actually going to be about running 
uh, Star Wars RPG. So I've, I've never run the Star Wars RPG in any sh- way, shape, or form. Um, not West End Games, not, you know, any of it. And right. you have a good bit of experience with that. So I, don't I know sort where of heard that from. <laughs> yeah. Sort of hoping to pick your brain on some of the thought processes and how you come up, you know, how you build stories in that and how that works for you. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I guess the main thing uh, is to give a little bit of a background as to what sort of experience I've had in that realm. Um, I started playing Star Wars back in the old D6 days uh, with, uh, oh, gee, back in 1988 uh, is when I first, uh, 88, 87, I think it was, when I managed to uh, get the... Uh, the the first book, and I've always been a massive Star Wars fan, and um, to have that in my hot little hands was like it was a nerdgasm in the extreme. So, uh, apologise to my, um, your listeners there for that word, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, and yeah, it was an amazing experience, and we had lots and lots of fun. I think the first adventure that we ran. Somebody wanted to play a droid and somebody wanted to play a kid and somebody wanted to play a smuggler and we had a lot of fun getting those guys together in a a pretty much sort of in between because this was, this is my second last year of high school I should say uh, as well so in between like um, lunch recess and and uh, and a few things that we managed to get a few little because we're all at the same school and we just managed to get a few little sessions in between. Uh, and I think uh, it started off in the streets of Tatooine, as you do, because every good Star Wars story starts in Tatooine, apparently. Oh, it seems uh, like it. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we, we sort of, there was a hidden cache of Imperial weapons uh, somewhere on Tatooine, and it was crazy. But um, so, yeah, I've, got, I've done D6 all the way through uh, its existence. Um, I ran a seven-year campaign under uh, D6 Star Wars that was absolutely amazing and went through, it had a spin-off series and and whatever else as well. It was really cool. Uh, Then uh, we went to D20 and my campaign imploded (laughs) because we tried to convert it over uh, and it really didn't work and I didn't get to play a lot of D20 Star Wars. Um, I liked it to an extent. But we didn't get to play a lot of it. And then um, I gave up on Star Wars for a while. Uh, played a lot of Pathfinder. Uh, and then this uh, this other edition came out with these fancy coloured dice. And I said, I'm sorry, I've spent far too much money on uh, on Star Wars because I'd managed to finally get the collection of Saga because um, we had some difficulties for a while there getting stuff over um, over from the States over to here uh, in Australia. And so it made it a little bit difficult. Uh, but I managed to get it all together, and I, I never actually ran a game under Saga, but uh, I played in one for a while. Uh, and then, yeah, this new edition came out, and I was very, very reluctant for the first 12 months. I just said, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Why should I need to learn another session? God damn it. Why should I need to learn another system that I'm probably not going to use very much? People are going to object to it because of dice and whatever else. 
and then I went to PAX Australia in its first year, and I was uh, wandering the stalls there during one of my breaks, and uh, came across uh, Edge of the Empire and uh, took a bit of a look at it and said, "That'll do in the plane. That'll do for the plane flight home." <laughs> uh, and I, and I think I managed to get through about about a third of the book on the way, and it's not very far from Melbourne to to Brisbane where I live. And um, I was just going, "This is amazing." Um, and uh, then I remember a conversation that I actually had with Sam Whitwer when he came out for Gen Con Australia in two thousand nine, and he'd recommend that I listen to. This little podcast that I think that you know it's it's nobody really listens, um, which is <laughs> my co-host on the Forge's um, main podcast, which is the Order sixty six. Uh, and when I started listening to them, uh, having had this sort of suggestion uh, from Sam uh, that uh, they just clicked over to um, doing Edge of the Empire. So I started listening to them and pretty much learnt the system just by listening to that podcast and a few of their live plays and and uh, a few things like that. Um, and then started to want to learn how to run this game because, you know, Starship Combat seemed overly complicated um, and a few other little things. So I started to develop my own tools for that and then put it up on uh, the forums and they're still used today supposedly um and it was just a way for me to learn because i learned by doing right so um uh yeah made it for um, my players uh who were pretty keen i had a few people that came back from my old d6 star wars game uh to play and um yeah it went gangbusters uh, we set it about five years after episode three, because the uh, the obviously the original trilogy was finished with, but so had the uh, the prequels had finished by that stage. So we had a clear idea, um, but I didn't actually run any games as such until such time as we had the beta version for Force and Destiny. So it would have been a couple of years. Uh, that it had been going for before I decided to actually run it. Um, and, well, now I'm writing for <laughs> for Genesis. Um, I've, you know, um, I dream of working on Star Wars. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been a journey and have my own podcast about the system because, obviously, Genesis is um, the, uh, or Star Wars, uh, by FFG was the precursor to Genesis, um, and it uses exactly the same dice system. So I was able to use the skills that I gained there and bring that across to, to Genesis to run that. Uh, and then, yeah, I got tapped on the shoulder to uh, to write for FFG at that stage and now for Edge. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah, it has, yeah. I, <laughs> and, you know, I... I... <clears throat> We've had a lot of discussion, and 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 I don't I don't mean to you know we can get into a little bit of mechanical stuff here and there, and because obviously Star Wars has a little different. Uh, Star Wars has what one or two different mechanics than Genesis actual. A lot more than that. Um, oh, okay. Star Wars well, is actually like there's 
the the best way to look at Genesis is that it is Star Wars Second Edition, uh, okay. because they refined a lot of the things that annoyed many players. Um, it made it a little bit complicated in others, but um, the the main difference was was the uh, the talent trees. Um, and we can talk about that as we go through, but uh, that was one of the biggest changes that it's all about. There's still sort of a virtual tree, but there's a lot more that you can do now that all of the talents are listed separately. So you can then choose whatever you want as opposed to being in a structured tree. But structured tree for Star Wars, I think, is, an actually, uh, is actually a brilliant idea. Um, and we can talk about that as we go. Yeah. So let's start with, let's start with the, well, let's go ahead and jump into mechanics. So, you know, obviously I haven't really, I, I'm, I'm daunted by Star Wars. I should say that <laughs> right up front. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but I'm not the most well-versed person when it comes to that stuff. Yep. And so I'm daunted to run a Star Wars game in a lot of cases because I don't want someone who's a bigger fan than me to run it, which or to be like, <laughs> oh, you, you're missing this. It's like, OK. And I understand that's something that we need to get over a lot of times. But so when it comes to mechanics, you were saying about uh, skill trees in Star Wars. So obviously you have the skill system in Genesis, which exists as it is, where you can invest your points and and buy into that so you have a dedicated tree in star wars once you go down a path you have to stick with this sort of skill set or well the way that it works is that and we probably should be talking about something else first but i'll i'll, I'll answer oh. this question and then okay. we'll move into we'll move sort of kind of backwards a little bit um, but when it comes to the talent tree so you've obviously got skills and then you've got talents and uh, the best way that I've heard it described is that um, talents are kind of like special tricks that you can do with your skills. Um, so uh, they're kind of like feats from D&D, uh, for those who are more familiar with that system. Um, I listened to um, Eddie uh, a few episodes ago um, talk about the, the tricks from um, Pugmire. And it works very similar in that regard. Um, obviously, it's not a level-based system, so you get experience as you go. Uh, and you can spend it on a range of things. Um, you can spend it on your talent trees, or you can spend it on your skills. Um, and uh, that's realistically the only sort of experience points, or the, the way that experience points are spent. Um, but before you go down that path, when it, uh, I just want to deal with your fear of running Star Wars. Because this is not something which is isolated to Star Wars, I don't think. It's something that's uh, very relevant when it comes to running anything of a certain IP. That there is so much, like I can't imagine running Middle Earth roleplay. Apart from all the tables, of course, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine running it because of, of the amount of lore and passion that has gone into that setting. Like people know Lord of the Rings inside out, back to front. Um, and I'm only sort of a, a casual, I've never read the book. I've never read The Hobbit. Yeah, I know, sacrilege. Um, and uh, I own both, but I've never read them. 
but I've certainly um, seen all of the extended editions. So the only sort of connection that I've gone with uh, the the Lord of the Rings is uh, through, um, you know, uh, but there are a lot of people that basically they've read the Silmarillion, uh, they've uh, those crazy people, um, and, and, and that's daunting to me. I can't imagine running it because of the amount of law. And the same thing applies to Star Wars. I mean, if you've gone through and you've you know read everything you possibly can, and you know watched everything you possibly can, you're going to have a really good idea of where Star Wars is and, um, you know, what's what. But Star Wars is so big that there is always room for a story to tell. Um, you know, you, you only really need uh, to know that, you know, the Empire exists or the Republic exists um, or the Separatists exist or, or whatever organisation is running things at the time. Uh, and then you can run it in Eric era. So it's just a matter of knowing those sort of small things um, and then start adding things on from there. The big thing about Star Wars, and I think it goes down to any IP, depending on who you've got playing, is you don't have to rely on a visualisation of the scene. Like if it's your own setting... You've really got to set the scene. You've got to explain how magic works. You've got to explain how, you know, uh, politics work in your particular world. Uh, So there's a lot of unfamiliarity that your players are going to have to experience. With Star Wars, you don't have that at all. Because you can just say, right, have you ever watched episode, you know, four? Right, well, you know what a Stormtrooper is. You know what a Wookiee is. You know what... The Empire is, you know what a Star Destroyer is, um, you know what Darth Vader looks like. You've got a visual reference point that you don't have to explain. You can say, well, stormtroopers flood into the room. Everybody knows what a stormtrooper is. Probably can't hit the side of a barn. But you know that you know what that looks like. So you've got that advantage. And the same sort of thing, as I said, applies to any IP. You can just see your players know what you mean um, if you, you know, if you're playing in a Terminator setting or something, you know, you can say a Terminator walks in the door, you know, and it's like, right, I know that he sounds like Arnie. I know that he looks like Arnie. So you've, you've immediately got their attention by not having to describe anything. So there's that assumption. But if anything's changed, like if they've, you know, stormtroopers wander into the room and they've all got a red stripe down there, the middle of their uniform. Well, you know that there's something special about them because I've never seen that in a movie um, <laughs> and, and things like that. So you've got that advantage and that's a one big win for running Star Wars. It's then a matter of your choice of the system. I still maintain that one of the best systems um, and I'm probably looking at it through rose-coloured glasses. And I know that you, you guys and Eddie spoke about that the other day as well. Um, is that you can? I've got very fond memories of D six because of the campaign that we ran. Uh, as I said, it ran for seven years. Um, so uh, you know, going all the way from uh, I think timelines wise, we went from um, the start of a new hope 
all the way through to beyond uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, so there was, um, as far as that, I've completely lost, lost track of what I was saying then. Uh, <laughs> you were, yeah, you were talking about choosing system. Yeah, so so when you choose a system, you, uh, I think the D6 was the best one because people were familiar with what a six-sided dice looks like. And so if somebody has never had any experience in a gaming realm before, they've all played a board game with a D6. Right, you know, They right. just call it a six-sided dice. Uh, and there's just a lot of them. Yes, it ended up being a fistful of dice, but the system was very, very simple. You just add up the dice and you add, a, a, you add nothing or add a plus one or a plus two. And, um, you know, later editions obviously had the wild die thrown in just for a bit of fun. But that initial system didn't have the wild die in it. Uh, so it was just a matter of just rolling those six-sided dice and beating a difficulty number. Uh, and uh, that was a very, very easy buy-in for a player who's never ever played it before. Uh, and we had people come and go out of that campaign, you know, like nobody's business because it was so accessible. And that's something that I think that, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, that uh, the FFG version of Star Wars uh, hasn't really grabbed as many people as it possibly should because of the accessibility with the dice. Um, that's changed, obviously, with the use of the app and, and whatever else. And, and hopefully once Edge sort of gets it up, itself up and running, they will see a few more reprints and, and people will have access to that. But it does, it, it's an additional price point that they can't just go out and buy a book. They have to go out and buy a book as well as dice. Um, right. You know, they, that's all that they have to buy, but that can be, that can be a barrier to, to people wanting to get into that system. Um, I think as far as systems go, the FFG version is way better than D6, um, but it's just got the Excel accessibility problem. I don't talk about D20 because ultimately it's D20. Yeah. Uh, I'm over D20. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think anybody uh, doesn't know that by now that's listened to your show. Uh, it's um, I, I've done a lot of D20 and I just find that the amount of time that I have to put into prior to running a session. And I think that's changed a little bit with 5th edition, uh, but it's still time that I have to put into understanding an NPC. Where with Star Wars, I've just got my adversary cards and I just walk around with that and it takes me literally two seconds to work out what their shtick is and run it. It's as simple as that. So, so yeah. But, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that was a wild tangent. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I was just thinking, I think that... All right, speaking of wild tangents, I'm going to go off on one myself. I think cool. one of the biggest mistakes that... I, I wouldn't say maybe, wouldn't say mistake, but one of the oddest choices that I'd seen was... I remember when the Star Wars, when Fantasy Flight Games, now Edge owns that IP, but fantasy flight games at the time star wars version was coming out 
And I remember everybody talking about it and they were picking up the books and then they would gripe because they'd come back into the game store and pick up the dice <laughs> because they didn't realize they needed the dice with the books. Right. I, I never understood why they didn't just put a little blister pack on the, like up the price of the book, a couple bucks and put a little blister pack with the dice on it. Well, they were a little bit smart about that. And, and to be honest, what they should have done, um, and I think in some cases they certainly pushed it, was the beginner box for Edge of the mm -hmm. Empire. That's true. A set of dice in it. Um, and it was a very, very basic version of the game, but its first adventure stepped you through using skills, explained what talents were, explained what combat was all about. You know, explain what skills are all about. Like the first scene, you know, without spoiling anything, is you basically you're you're on the run for some bad from some bad guys, and you have to hide in a cantina, and it's got a lovely map of a cantina, um, and it sort of explains the what the players see when they initially show up, and then it asks, right, what are you doing? And so you know, you've got a few options of hiding or. You can try to blend in with a crowd or you can try to uh, become a stage singer suddenly, <laughs> as I've seen some people do. But it was a really good way of, you know, introducing that to uh, brand new people and it was a really good price at the time. So you had a set of die and I know people that have bought two boxes just for the dice and so mm. that they can, you know, laminate all of the... Uh, all of the maps or whatever else and just have them both sitting open on the table or one, I think, one half of it you've got to cut up because there's different parts to it. So they had one that you could have the full map and then you've got the other part on the other side which has all been cut up to the separate different maps. I hate, I so hate that. I hate that. Just give me... <laughs> just don't make me cut this. Like, I have so many books that have maps in them that I just... Yeah. I love... <laughs> that's why I love PDFs because you can just you can yeah, just isolate that PDF out. and just rip it out. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, I just that's just one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, please don't don't put the map. Don't don't don't. <laughs> or if you're gonna give me a map, give me make it already detached. Make it like <laughs> seal the thing in plastic wrap and just make it so when I open the book, oh look, there's the map. It's already out. I don't have to tear yeah. anything out. Exactly. Exactly. Looking at you, Watsy, you're good for that stuff. <laughs> I know some of their books are just absolutely, you know, fantastic to look at. But yeah, all of their big maps are like between. And I hate that having to like fold down the book if you. Anyway, so <sighs> always. I'm glad that we're seeing things like. Um, and I know that Edge has done it with uh, their latest release for D20. Uh, which is Midnight, which I'd been doing a little bit of um, reading about that because we've been having troubles trying to find the book over here. Um, and um, it's glorious as far as the setting goes. Talk about gritty and nasty. Jeez. But, um, yeah, the, the, the fact that you can, uh, it's got a little code inside that you can download it from uh, DriveThruRPG is fantastic. Ah. That's that's um, wonderful. It's uh, it's a shame that will probably never happen with Star Wars. Uh, no, so no, that's yeah, that's a, a licensing problem. Yeah. 
That's like a whole it, can it, of worms that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear. I mean, we'll never hear about it, but as far as how the actual license goes because of NDAs and, and whatever else. But it'd be really nice to find out why that is. Because I, I'll say it this way. We'll, and, and whatever. So. we'll probably never hear about it this decade. But oh, like, no. <laughs> next decade, once the. Once the game has been like officially abandoned and the NDAs have started to started to de- decline, then we'll hear all about the perils. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, but no, it, it, I think that, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what I was going to say then, but that's okay. <laughs> but no, yeah, I I agree with you that picking a system is super important to to comfortability with a game and bringing in players. Um, yeah, I I've always heard, well, I've heard good things about all versions of the star Wars RPG. Cause it's the star Wars RPG. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a version that I haven't heard somebody say, Oh, well this has good bits because you know, saga, which is, you know, you never really got to play, but I know a lot of people really love that. And a lot of people really mm. don't care for it. Um, yeah. and then like you said, D20, the D20 fans are ravenous and, and you know, will get their fixes they need. Um, yeah, well, I've, I've heard of, of people um, who ran Saga and they've taken one look at FFG's version and they've said that they would never, ever mm-hmm. run um, a different sort of Star Wars again because it's Saga has the feel that give, uh, you know, the Jedi feel like Jedi yeah. as opposed to, you know, feeling like they're always a, a little bit of a step behind in comparison to everybody else because uh, in FFG they have to, you know, purchase force trees and um, and force talents and, and things like that to, to really benefit from that. Um, but... You know, I, I think that FFG's balanced it nicely, um, and it was just the 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 dice I think that were the biggest hurdle for some people. But I think once they bought the dice, I think they realised how good it was, uh, and how good it still is. I mean, there hasn't been a new product to, of Star Wars for at least you know eighteen twenty four months. Yeah. Yeah, and um, but I don't. I really don't think, and I'm going to shoot myself on the foot here because you know that's that's one of the things that I would love to to do with uh, with Edge because I can't say any otherwise because I'm on an NDA. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know that is one thing that I'd love to do, mm-hmm. and um, I, I really don't see them doing any more. Or if they do, they're going to basically just do more reprints. Because the mm. system is really good as it is. Yes, it'll be great to see what Baby Yoda's stats are. Sure. Yes, um, my uh, partner is, uh, has said that um, she'll play Star Wars to the end of time. If she can play a Baby Yoda. Um, so, so I'm sure that that's necessary at some point. Uh, to do like a Mandalorian source book. I, but honestly, I wonder how much... I wonder how much, though, that would be better served with maybe just a setting book, which is something they haven't really done before. Yeah, look, I think I'd agree with you. I, I think that if 
One of the things that I love about the system is the careers um, and the specialization trees. And so with the specialization trees, you've, uh, you can then expand upon that and then they've brought in universal trees so that you don't even need to go down that path um, of attaching it to a career. It's just a separate thing altogether. Um, so there's certainly room for expansion, but I just don't know whether it's necessary because everything that we've seen on screen seems to conform to something within the game that already exists. Um, but one of the things that um, I think would be interesting if they decided to ever do a second edition and bring it more in line with some of the rules from Genesis. I don't think they should get rid of the the, um, the talent trees, and I'll explain that in a bit. But I think that if they had a core set of rules that covered, you know, Star Wars generic with mm -hmm. maybe a chapter, uh, you know, eight or nine pages dedicated to uh, a particular era, so that players and, and GMs would know enough to be able to run a game in that era, but then you go and have era books. So you would have like the original trilogy era book, you'd have the sequel trilogy, you'd have, um, you could have Mandalorian, you could have, no, don't do a book of Boba Fett, that's silly. Um, <laughs> just just <laughs> roll it in with the Mandalorian, it's fine. No, it's yeah, seriously, much, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was season two point five. So let's face it. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, we don't, don't ask Chris I, or Keith about that. <laughs> I, I I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boba Fett, great, fantastic. Just put it, just put him in the Mandalorian book. Yep, <laughs> yeah, as, a, as an appendix, preferably. <laughs> um, no, seriously, it was a good show, sort of. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, sort of have those era books so that you can start. Uh, I mean, Lucasfilm has just released uh, an entire new sort of storyline, I guess, uh, which is um, the oh, what do they call it? The Guardians of Peace or something like that. That is sort of a hundred years before. Um, I think it's two hundred to a hundred years before a new hope. So it's all of the the stuff well before the prequels. Uh, yeah, with the Jedi which, at, at their highest. Yeah, that's supposed to be where their new movie is going to be set. Right, is going to be in in uh, not to get you know in the High Republic stuff. Um, yeah. which that's what I was thinking of High Republic. That's what yeah. it's called. That's, yeah. I think that would be probably if, if we see another, if we see another edition of, um, this version of star Wars, mm. like maybe not your 2.0, but, uh, uh still mm. in this version, I think we mm. would see that being added because that stuff, I have a base knowledge of that. And it has some interesting things like the Vibram swords, which are not lightsabers and not as powerful mm. as lightsabers, or I'm right. sure I got that term wrong, but, <laughs> but there's, this is why, this is why I, I I'm always like, look, well, see, I'm going to get things wrong. That, <laughs> I look, I'm, I love Star Wars and everything about it, but I still have not looked at High Republic stuff at all. 
Um, I don't collect comics anymore um, because I have family commitments now. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't collect them. And I know Keith is probably, if he's listening, he's yelling at me going, buy the Marvel subscription and you can get it on your iPad. Well, I don't own an iPad, Keith. Nah. Um, <laughs> so, so you've you've got comics and you've got novels and, and whatever else. And, I mean, I can't keep up. Um, you know, my funds only go so far. So I just focus on... Um, you know, the, the eras that I enjoy. And I love that 10 or 20 year gap between um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Uh, and I know that uh, the, uh, a lot of the stories that we're seeing now are basically bridging that gap um, with Obi-Wan and um, Andor and whatever else. But I think that those series are going to be of benefit to uh, role-playing in that era because you're going to be able to see a lot more of how things are, uh, which I think is going to be very, very interesting, especially with all of the espionage and intrigue and things like that. So, Yeah, I, I, I would love to... I, I need to sit down and actually work on it. So let's get into maybe working on stories. I would love mm. to play between A New Hope and um, Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Like well, that's my, rise that's of the Republic stuff or rise of the resistance stuff would be really interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I looked at, uh, well, when I first ran star Wars, that was really all that we had was the stuff between a new hope. And, um, you know, cause at that stage there wasn't any prequels. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this was during the dark times when D six came out, uh, as we <laughs> older people refer to it when there was nothing, you know, the uh, it was just before uh, the likes of Timothy Zahn uh, brought out um, Heir to the Empire and that trilogy. So it was kind of filling the gap and they had a lot of great artwork and a lot of great people working on it. And the, and the system was, was, you know, compared to what it is, uh, what we see coming out of stores today, it was far too crunchy. Um, but it was narrative to, to the extent that we hadn't seen in games like, uh, you know, D&D. So I think that it doesn't matter what area you like to, to run games in, just make sure that you're communicating that. And, you know, you guys have spoken enough about Session Zero and, and um, you know, run the game that you want to run. Um, put the feelers out there and just say, look, I this is the era that I want to run Star Wars. Okay. Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> go from there. So that's that's what you need to do first before you run any Star Wars game is you need right. to work out what era you're going to play because that's right. going to put everybody in a certain mindset, basically. Um, so that's your first stage. So step one, there you go. It's only taken us about an hour to do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> So step one, work out your era uh, and then go to your players and, and um, say, this is when I'm going to be running my game and then go from there. Okay. And that's obviously once you've, well, that's also going to depend on your system too, because sometimes if everybody wants to play Jedi, um, I don't know whether uh, Fantasy Flight Games is the best for running Jedi. Um, from what I've been told, Saga is the best for running Jedi. So. 
you know, that may be something. And it's going to be determined wholly and solely on what you feel comfortable running as a GM and what your players um, feel comfortable doing because that's what is going to, you know, engage them um, depending on what system it is that they want to um, see played. But if, they've, if they're just doing the, no, nah, I'm only doing D20, that's it, and I'm not doing anything else, well, you know, they need to open their eyes and try other systems. <laughs> like this one, it's great, try it. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you can find a, a module, whether it be in any of the, um, uh, any of the, the GM screens um, or the adventures in the back of the core rules um, or any of them that are available online, um, some have pre-generated characters, others don't. Um, but, um, you know, try them out first. This is what is really cool about one-shots. You know, you can, people can experience a whole heap of different games without having a lot of buy-in that they can just enter into that Star Wars realm just for, you know, an evening's gaming and, and see how the game plays. And I guarantee you within 15 minutes, you'll understand the dice system. Uh, yes, it in the core rules, it, it explains in 23 pages, but that's because it has to explain every, you know, scenario that uh, the dice can come up with. Um, but once you've, once you've played, you will seriously fall in love with the system. So Yeah, I think narrative dice is best explained through play. It's a really... I agree. I, I agree. Like before, you know almost two years ago at this point, before we talked to Chris, me and Steve were like, I, I, I don't understand this dice thing. Like <laughs> what, the symbols, it's like rock, paper, scissors, but I don't get it. Cause it's, it's too many things. <laughs> mm. Well, see, I was the same, as I said, right uh, at the start of the episode, that it really, for me, I wasn't going to invest in another system. Why do I have to learn another system to enjoy Star Wars? I'm <laughs> sticking with Saga. I've got my head around it now. Um, that's the the next system that I'm going to run. And remembering, I was running a lot of Pathfinder. So I was a lot more accepting of a D20 system because that's all that I'd experienced for a long time. Um, you know, I'd sort of... I'd played in other systems like, um, you know, Shadowrun and, uh, and Palladium stuff, uh, as well as Merp and GURPS. But, you know, um, I got sick and tired of learning trigonometry for, uh, for some of those systems uh, because it did require a math degree. Um, but it, it, when I've sort of read the system, I've gone, okay, this is, this is interesting. What is this? advantages you know how is how does that work in the whole scope of things um and after listening to water 66 and doing a lot more playing of the system itself there was a few oh that's the reason why that's these sort of moments uh <laughs> that uh, that came about so um yeah that's sort of that's uh the reason why i loved it and yeah, still do no I, th I think it's a great system i really do I think if you haven't tried Star Wars or the narrative dice system in general, you really need to, you know, 
give it a chance and really trying that is is gonna change your opinion of how that system is because yeah i get that it's not for everyone but i i really genuinely believe that a lot more people would enjoy it if they just tried it first <laughs> yeah and i mean if people are saying oh, i don't want to buy the dice because they're really hard to find and well, like, there's not so I, much money well there's a free dice app yeah so use that <laughs> I don't mean to be, the yeah, but yeah, there's ways. Um, there's a fantastic resource called Sessions, which <laughs> highly mm, Yes. RPG um, Sessions is an absolutely fantastic uh, free product yeah. uh, that, uh, that you can use. Um, there's downloadable stuff for um, Roll20 as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, the you people can, uh, put in the work for Roll20. So, if you're a Roll20 fanatic, mm. you can absolutely go and and do that. And yeah, mm. it's fine. I'm, yeah, Roll20, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and look, the other thing as well is with um, Star Wars and just narrative dice system as well, uh, just generally, is that one, the dice mechanic, believe it or not, has different levels within it. So I know that Chris has explained it. So if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, go back and listen to whatever episode it was where Chris turned up and talked about the uh, the narrative dive system. But let me just explain it in like five minutes. So you have six dice, three positive, three negative dice. And then those dice have uh, between them, they have three symbols. Um, one on either side only appears on one dice uh, of each, uh, and the rest of the dice all have a mixture of the two positive symbols. Now, the symbols are success and an advantage and a triumph, and the triumph is the one that appears only on the one dice, and the success and the advantage basically are your positive symbols, and they'll only appear on your positive dice, and then your negative dice you'll have your failed symbol, you will have your threat symbol, and your despair. And the despair is the one that only fits on the one dice. Okay? So you've then got the four symbols, which is your uh, success, advantage, failure, and threat. The failure cancels out the success, and the threat cancels out the advantage. And realistically, that's it. And if you're running the game... I'd highly recommend doing what I did, which is I've got one of those little plastic standees that you can sit on your counter, which will have like sales or, or you know, ring the bell for customers or whatever. And it's got all of the dice and it's got all of the symbols and it's got them nicely labeled and explains which one cancels which. And that's all you really need to know um, to, to start play. But there's another level again where each of the dice obviously represents something, okay? So you've got your uh, the green dice and uh, the yellow dice, which is kind of like your skill. Uh, well, your, your green is your natural ability. Your yellow is the your actual skill, okay? And then on the negative, you've got the purple, which is your difficulty, so instead of a hard set number that you're, you're trying to get to, the purple dice becomes that. And it has symbols which obviously cancel out. And then you've got the challenge die, which is a red die. 
and that's sort of going to be for extreme scenarios. So if you're walking a tightrope, you're going to, um, you know, it might be difficult. Okay, so it might be, um, let's say, hard. So that'd be three purple dice, but it's over lava. So there is a chance that somebody could go horribly wrong. Uh, so one of those purple dice would be upgraded to a red dice. Note to self, so... don't cross bridges <laughs> on Mustafar. Got it. <laughs> so then you've got the, the two magical dice, which um, I think is the heart and, and soul of the system, which is your setback and your boost die. Now, the setback die are for the negative side and obviously the boost die are for the positive side. And instead of having those minor little plus twos and plus ones that you see in like something like D&D, um, uh, but 5th edition obviously has advantage, which is close to what we're talking about here. Um, but it's delineated with those dice. So if you have got a harness that is going to prevent you from falling into that lava um, and you've got the correct tethering, well, you might get a couple of boost die for that. But this chasm has a whole heap of wind going through it uh, because there's this natural vent that comes up from below and this um, eerie sort of uh, wind is blowing through, well, that might be an extra setback die. So when those dice come up in certain symbols, you can interpret the entire roll knowing that, okay, so that boost die that has come up as blank, perhaps that something has gone wrong with the harness, especially if it comes up with a despair, for example. Um, or if it comes up with multiple threats, perhaps, you know, you get that scene that sort of um, zooms in on one of the, uh, the pegs that has been hammered into the side. It starts to break loose because it wasn't secured properly and things like that. So you're actually starting to tell the story using the dice. And I know that Jay Little also speaks about this highly. And it's just another level again of how you can use the dice to tell the story in a better way. That's what I love about the system. <laughs> it's things like that. Um, but you don't have to play it like that. You can play it loosey-goosey, um, but that's once you start to get a little bit more experience and you can, you can really start to use those dice, especially if you're stuck for ideas as to what to do, because we've all been through the stage of, what do I do with um, four threat, a despair, and a triumph on a failed check? What do I do with that? Um, so having those sorts of, I can look at the dice and see where they've come from um, and how it's all interplayed. Like you might have a special ability that's upgraded one of your um, skill dice. So you know that perhaps if that's where the triumphs come from, I can look at that talent to gain inspiration for explaining away what's happening in this story type thing. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> it's a, it's a but, fantastic system. I, I really do yeah. love it. It's yeah, I, it's, it's a really fantastic. It's probably, and I've described it this way. It's probably my favorite generic system and mm. running it in star Wars. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it was built for Absolutely. That. Absolutely. But, it's very cinematic. Like, yeah. I don't think that you would necessarily use it to 
to run Good Society, for example, which is an, a fantastic RPG uh, from some game designers um, here in Australia, um, a pair of lovely ladies uh, who have designed that. And it's all based around Jane Eyre uh, and uh, that sort of era uh, where it's all about lords and ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. But you would never use Genesis to, to do this, I don't think, because it's just not cinematic enough. Unless you're talking about, like, um, uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet and zombies or something. Um, right. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be cool. Um, or if you're running something like, um, uh, you know, Merchant of Vengeance um, or or something like that in, you know, Neo-Tokyo with... I've actually played in a game like that uh, where it was basically just, yeah, um, Romeo and Juliet, but it was all done on, like, the the bikes they would have chases on <laughs> were called daggers. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's a side note. Um, um, but yeah, so... <laughs> You're giving me terrible ideas. I... <laughs> And yes, we never ended up getting to play a, a, a sequel to it, but it was called Merchant of Vengeance, which um, I think would have been really, really cool because uh, the guy who was running it is a huge Shakespeare fan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he also uh, loved anime. So, <laughs> so it went a little Hamlet, bit. Hamlet, but cyberpunk. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. That would, yes. it's just all of, all of the, oh, man. That's a whole ro- that's a whole rabbit hole. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the and stuff I'm... that happens in Hamlet and just <laughs> it's, it's not ghosts, they're holograms <laughs> like it's you can mix and match with um, you know, much older literature uh <laughs> with uh with modern settings and it should be done more often. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I tell you, um, there was one game that we played. Sorry, this is going to be another tangent for a moment. Oh. Uh, so there was a game that um, that I played in uh, a convention in Melbourne called Arcanacon, uh, where we um, it was basically it was a Call of Cthulhu game, um, but we were and let's see if you can pick it. So we were um, driving along as a group. Uh, we were assassins, I think, uh, and we'd just finished a job and our vehicle broke down. Uh, and so we had to walk along uh, the, to, to get to a, a, you know, the nearest destination or whatever it is. Uh, and then there was this um, you know, random hotel in the middle of nowhere uh, where uh, this young lady is sort of, we saw her from a distance and she was, had this candle and um she was sort of beckoning us on <laughs> can you pick it yet it's the odyssey isn't it no no it's uh no, no it's a song in all things oh oh hotel california yeah correct <laughs> yep there it is <laughs> I, I, I was, I was a little while to get like, that. it sounds like homer's odyssey but it... <laughs> no so we've basically got in and yeah we weren't going to be escaping that hotel anytime soon um, but, uh, the final story was, is we'd actually died in a car crash, but anyway, mm. that's, not that. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, so I, I think that, and look, you to bring it back to topic, you can do that with Star Wars. And I know when I ran Star Wars, you can certainly see 
where I've been influenced by stuff that I was either watching or reading at the time because, you know, there was... I do apologise for anybody who was just going to disown me for doing this, but I did time travel in Star Wars, um, which was interesting. But um, I had a big bad, which was called, his character was called, and I, I had no idea about this at the time, but uh, the character was called Natama. Uh, and then somebody, we were sitting around talking one day, and they said, oh, Natama, that's like, that sounds like no tomorrow. And boy, did that just drop like a, and I've gone, my God, no tomorrow, which means there has to be some sort of time travel. <laughs> so there was, uh, yeah, they basically, because they'd, they'd rescued him and then um, from the Empire and then because they were going to, you know, unthaw him because he was inside this sort of cryo-tube type thing. Uh, and then the PCs, yeah, they've rescued him uh, and then he's gone against them and then started to hunt them down, sort of Inquisitor style. Uh, this is before we knew anything about Inquisitors. Uh, and then um, the, uh, I think it was that um, they, he managed to basically um, find a way to, you know, change the past and, and whatever else and went through like a stargate type thing. I I make no apologies for some of the shit I've come up with. <laughs> I don't blame. Hey, look, honestly, there's some official canon that I wish they would just go. Yeah, that, now there's time travel. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, um, we don't have to go back and retcon. We're just gonna actually go back and retcon. That's right. I mean, look at look at Rebels. There was an episode in Rebels where they started influencing time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, there was that, and the PCs ended up because um, uh, his plan all along was to, because we had a, a, a PC who was a, a Jedi-ish type, um, and uh, they wanted, he wanted to basically throw her into this station chamber and so that he could, you know, take her back to his main base of operations. Uh, and the PCs ended up taking him out and throwing him in a, um, uh, this sort of chamber. Uh, where he would be frozen to be started all over again. So um, can you see where the no tomorrow comes in? Because yeah. he really just looped <laughs> and everything was all fine. The PCs got home and nobody was affected. So, Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a good idea at the time. but <laughs> It's not. Uh, I don't Star know. Wars Story Group probably wouldn't think that no, way. But I, <laughs> anyway. I, I, yeah. But But Star Wars, you can do anything as long as you, and this is probably step three with with Star Wars, um, and I I think this applies to any game, is you've got to set the expectations. And it's something that um, I know that you guys have spoken about in the past, and, and Chris and I talk about it all the time, is that when you run a game, you have to set everyone's expectations on what the the PCs do. Um, or what's expected of the players and what's expected of the GM. Um, so, and that sort of goes into, you know, what sort of scenario we're going to be playing, what sort of era we're playing and, and whatever else. So by setting those expectations, you can then sort of really determine what sort of a game that you're going to run. Um, 
and, you know, ask the players, you know, do you want time travel? Because time travel can be real. Uh, no, <laughs> no, don't do time travel. Uh, in Star Wars, rifts or something? Sure. Star Wars, yeah, not so much. Um, so <laughs> everybody's cringing, I'm sure, by this stage. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, understand that, uh, you know, for, for me, it's like with a lot of my early games, it was a case of, right, a new hope happens the way that it happens. But the rest of it is open slather. So depending on what sort of actions the PCs take, I may completely ignore what happens in Empire Strikes Back. The, the events will probably be heading in that direction. Um, and I know that a campaign I ran at one stage, the PCs had a, they were getting a big promotion um, as part of the rebellion. And uh, of course, Luke and Leia and Han and whatever else. And, and they, were, they were going up to Luke and Leia and going, hmm, the resemblance is uncanny. <laughs> because they didn't know they were twins. <laughs> um, but they were, try- they were trying to, um, you know, use a bit of uh, metadata, I guess, that <laughs> that they knew as players that they were twins, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a bit of fun. Uh, yeah. But, other- yeah, so just set those expectations to say that, the, um, that Star Wars will happen as it does. Um, but as I said before, it's a big damn galaxy, and there is plenty of room for big bads to happen. I mean, you've got the corporate sector authority, which is never, ever used other than in the original Han Solo um, novels. Uh, You've got all the stuff which happened in the Lando Calrissian novels that a lot of people have forgotten that you can be, you know, using that or create some other big bad um, uh, that's out there. Sure, the Empire might come in at the end of the day and wipe everybody out because, well, it's the Empire. But ultimately, you know, there can be small skirmishes that um, uh, that really suit the campaign and, and uh, that everybody enjoys because you want to make it a unique experience. But just having that background of familiarity that uh, the players can experience. All right. Well, That's a lot of info dump. Yeah, and I think we've been going at it for about an hour now. Good uh, lord. Yeah, so I think we put a pin in it and uh, we move on to Game of the Week. <laughs> I <laughs> forgot about that part, didn't you? Crap! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, I do have one. I do have oh, one. All right. I have um, mentioned it before. but Oh, yeah. Not a huge deal. Um, so my game of the week, I actually stumbled across earlier this week. So I've been, my significant other is obsessed with Stranger Things, like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been having this itch. She made me watch the most recent season. Right. I have this itch to play some Stranger Things. And yeah, <laughs> I have Tales from the Loop and Kids on Bikes. and And yeah, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I found a game by 77 Studios that is pay what you want. Uh, suggested mm-hmm. price is $1.23. And right. it's called Movie Night. Oh. And it is a cool. all-ages storytelling role-playing game uh, inspired by 80s movies. <laughs> right. Um, 
just seems like a really nice, you know, obviously pay what you want. So you can pick that up at whatever price you feel comfortable with. They have options for soft cover, black and white or PDF and soft cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems like a really nice little pick it up and tell an eighties story, you know, tell an eighties movie style story, have Dude, some fun, awesome. have some, you know, I have some like schlock. It. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's so that's, cool. that is definitely one that I, I picked it up earlier in the week and I was like, this is, I was sort of thumbing through it and I was like, this is really good. Like this is, it's really neat, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a movie or er, movie night. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> that's a game called movie night. <laughs> that's cool. I yeah. like it. There should be more of it. <laughs> but all right. So my game of the week, um, it's going to be uh, not really a game, but can, can I do a setting? Sure. Can I do a setting? Is that all right? Okay. Yeah. It's my show. I don't or, care. <laughs> <laughs> I make the rules to this game. I don't. Right. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So the, uh, I'm just going to pull it up because it's absolutely awesome. All right, so um, we can do settings, yeah? That's fine? Yep, that's fine. Cool, awesome. So the setting that I'm going to recommend um, is it's available on DriveThruRPG, um, and uh, thanks to the power of editing, you don't realize how long it took me to find it. Um, but it's, it's called Awakened Age, superhero genesis setting. Now, this is by my friend, uh, Mr. Zumwalt, um, also known as Drain Smith, on some of the, uh, the Genesis forums and, and things like that. Uh, I was part of the playtest team for this. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's quite cheap. It's only, you know, it's less than 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can slap a bit of green, or in my case, a bit of bluish. I think that's the colour of our $10 note. But anyway... <laughs> Um, you guys it's have the, the Monopoly money, don't you? We have funny money, and it's <laughs> awesome. Um, we've got a five dollar note, which is kind of a uh, it's kind of a purplish mauve color. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the ten dollar blue. We've got the uh, the orangey twenty. We've got a mustard baby poo yellow fifty, and then a nice crisp green one hundred. Well, I'll and say it's this all because plastic and you can see through it because it's got a little um, holographic window and it's really, really hard to um, counterfeit. Yeah, I'll say this: I've I've interacted with like Canadian money, which is the same way. They have mm. each note's different coloration, and it does make for like you pull a handful of 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 bills out of your pocket, you can tell immediately what you have. Yeah, because they're all different sizes too. That's oh. the other cool thing. So they're all different sizes, and they're all different colors. Um, and here's an interesting point. I think you guys have got the same sort of thing as well. Uh, they've all got a little imprint of what they are in Braille, too. Yes. Uh, well, cool. no, not by the f- not by the print, not by the mint on our dollars. Oh, okay. But right. we sell. You, you could easily buy. Um, they make these little clips that'll do that. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think but, yeah, I'll come. I could be lying. Uh, I'm not blind. I mean, if so they, if I they do, don't. so. 
if they do yeah, that's I'm, fantastic but yeah um but um yeah so it's all so, security encoded yeah. they've all got right anyway sorry yeah we've gone on a tangent <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no um i have a copy of this i was uh yeah i i was uh gifted a copy of this by uh mr oh, good. so <laughs> yeah it is probably i would like to suggest it's the best it's certainly the closest way that superheroes that I would have done superheroes had I <laughs> managed to to finish some of the stuff that I was working on because I'd been working on a superhero setting for ages, but with podcasting, with I mean all the podcasting I've done, no seriously, um, I, I as I said before, I've been on your show more than I've done my own podcast, but that's because Chris has changed jobs and moved house, and I've moved house and COVID and all. But anyway, moving along. Um, that's just me whinging, people. Me whinging. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Awakened Age is a fantastic uh, setting. You obviously need the Genesis Core rules uh, to be able to play the game. Uh, but it's one of the, the biggest beefs with any sort of superhero setting um, is power levels. Uh, that people sort of suggest, oh, look, you know, we've got Daredevil who is street level and then we've got... You know, Spider-Man, who is more sort of your middle of the road. Uh, and then you've got your big cosmic people like, you know, the Eternals or whatever else. How can you play that all in one setting? Well, this actually has, if you're familiar with Genesis, um, it ha- one of the, the great things about it is that it has three different versions of the same archetype. So you will have like your street level version. You will have your you know, world um, version, and then you will have your cosmic version, which is great for, like, um, your different level of uh, of power settings. Um, and the, the powers work really well. It's not over the top, um, and it has some fantastic little mechanics. And the other thing which I find great about it is that you can add on to it without there being too much of a problem. So it's uh, it's sort of going along the same sort of route that um, much of Genesis is, that it's a, here are the rules, but you can use the these bits and pieces to make your own setting. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is just an add-on to that. And it, Scott's done an amazing job of making sure that it's uh, it's not too developed so that if you want to go and expand, you can. So there's always room for, for him to go and do a powers book and, and stuff like that. But this is probably the best version of, of supers that I've seen for Genesis ever. Um, he did the right thing. Playtest is one thing that Chris and I on The Forge talk about a lot. Uh, and he has certainly put his you know money where his mouth is there. Uh, and there are a lot of people working on it. Gave a lot of great feedback. Some great ideas came out of that. Uh, that ended up being, you know, core central things within the book. Um, so yeah, it's um, if you've already got Genesis and you love supers, I would highly recommend this. Um, and uh, you know, Scott's a sort of guy that he is more than happy to get feedback. Uh, and you know, maybe something you suggest might make it into another edition of this book because he likes to update his um, games every so often um, or may find its way into a future supplement as well. So 
it's yeah. really cool. Go and check it out. Yeah, I will say I, I I did read a bit of this just you know, life and time and not having all of the both. Um <laughs> <laughs> There are so many games in so few hours. I, uh, just <laughs> do you find something that? has to start. You just start going. One of these things has to go, and usually it's sleep for me at this point. But yeah, I hear, I hear, I hear. Well, you know, we we've had how many conversations have we had in your time? <laughs> Steve, so why aren't you in bed? In the afternoon, uh, my time. Yeah, uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, my time, and I'm still having deep conversations with you. I'm going. What friggin' time is it over there? <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and I think the, the same is true uh, yeah. for me. It's like, it's like, it's 10 o'clock in the, after, in the morning, dude. What are you doing? Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Get some sleep, please. Sleep's overrated. <laughs> um, so, but anyway. But yeah, um, no, but, I, I, yeah. I definitely, I did read a bit of this and it is fantastic and it is really great. Um mm. Like you Lots said, well play tested, well well flushed out, and just a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, and with that, where can you be found? Um, nowhere. I'm yeah. an isolationist. You can never hear from me. No, seriously. Oh, you can good. find me um, at GM Hurley on Twitter. You can find me at GM Hurley on Facebook, where I live most of my life. Um, yes, I don't have one. Um, no, seriously. Uh, you can find me also at The Forge by uh, searching any social media and uh, with at Forge Genesis. And you can also find us at ForgeGenesis.com. All right. And like always, links to everything mentioned are going to be in the show notes. Um, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon. All of those fun things. Uh, new TikTok has been made, so that'll be show specific because I got sick of having my personal tied to the show. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do on TikTok? I'm old. I'm 51. Actually, I'm 51. Well, thanks to the power of editing and, and whatever else. I was 51 in, uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm yeah. actually 51 today. Um, yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's my birthday today. But anyway. Well. Um, I got you quite a good birthday gift. You got to come on and yap yes, to me for a couple hours. Indeed. I get to podcast, which is one of my favorite pastimes. So thank you for your gift. But it's lovely. TikTok is um it's a weird place. Because it's a mix <laughs> between well, it's at its surface, everybody everybody thinks that TikTok is this um it's only for the kids, but it's really not. Um it's not. It, I'll tell it can you what be it a is. very, what was that? I'll tell you what it is. It's a time sink. That's what it is. Yes, it is exactly that. But it it's, the community on there is quite interesting because there's a lot mm. of people with very good insights and there's a lot of people with just a voice. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, a lot of funny people out there. That's what there is. Yeah. Some of the TikToks I just cannot stop laughing about. But uh, no. No. Sure. Yeah, but uh, and then there's some genuinely like quality content on there, and we're hoping to add some to some of that quality content. So, but um, yeah, TikTok. Uh, I'll make sure to get that updated in the show notes so you have the new TikTok. But um, (laughs) as always, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs.
Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. As always, we want to remind you each. Indeed. Please tell me that's going to end up at the end of this show. Um, I love listening to that bit. And if you're doing that, if you're just pressing stop at the end of the episode where the music stops playing, you're crazy. <laughs> just go and listen to all the bits at the end. It's funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always, always include. I That was a, a early concession on steve's part he added like one or two bloopers and then he stopped and i was like why did you stop with the bloopers he's like well i didn't know that was cool i'm like yeah no every episode (laughs) absolutely i look forward to that last part (laughs) not that i don't look forward to the episode itself it's always funny especially when i start yelling at the at the car radio uh because that's my commute But uh, you've been very, very generous and allowed me to have a little bit of a bitch about something you've said or whatever else, but it's (laughs) it's always good. It's always good fun. Um, Yeah, it's always. No, it's always. um, Anytime you've you've messaged me, I'm always like, oh, no. (laughs) It's like what you said in the other episode when we were talking about exactly this topic. Um, that, um, yeah, it's like, oh, I've got, I've got an issue I need answered. Oh, no, I'll message Hurley and I will answer. Yeah. It's almost no, like it's... I'm living in the same time zone as you. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, that's, that's why I like having you on because you always have something insightful to say. Mm. Allegedly. Well, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. That's the time I just wrap it on. Don't know where I'm going with the conversation, but that's okay. That's what? part of the charm of this show. Yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> find a hole and jump down it. Where did this take us? <laughs> that's why I like it. It's great. Better How did we end up in Wonderland? Well, um, there was How a How do we end up as a tangent? Yeah. At the end of the show. How do we end up there? That's a great <laughs> question. But anyway. And I'm going to stop the robots. Stop.